I thought the gorilla was going to drop on top of me. I was like, shit. So I was able to snap one photo. I fell on my butt. I almost rolled down the hill. And I thought I was going to peel my pants. That was one of those moments that I was like, man, you know, like I never saw my heart coming through, you know, close to my mouth and back. Hey, Weekenders, welcome back to the Art of Photography podcast, where we interview people and how they find hope, purpose, and happiness through photography. And today we have someone very special, someone who I have met during my travel photography here in Bali. He is um, a legend in Capoeira. God knows how he captured all these shots of not only Bali, his passion in Capoeira, but also, you know, from famous artists all the way to this really rare mountain gorilla. But we're going to go into a little bit more depth as we talk to him. But without further ado, hey, Tiba, what is going on? What's up, Stanley? Hey, man, great to be here. Life is good. Thank you for having me. Uh, everything's great, you know. And uh, a bit about myself, uh, I'm Tiba, originally from Brazil, photographer, martial artist, or capoeirista, and born and raised in Brazil. Then I was uh, grew up in New York, but now I'm in Bali. Yeah, that's crazy, man. I mean, you've been everywhere, right? Eh? Uh, like what, you've, you've been to like 50, 60 countries or whatnot? Around 50 countries or more. I lost the track of it. <laughs> yeah, I bet when you go to so many places like that, I would, I would, uh, I would lost count of it as well. I mean, I think I'm only going through like half the countries and I don't even remember how many countries are they. But um, that's awesome, man. Um, you know, you, you went from, um, from Brazil and then New York and then now here in Bali, like three different contrasts. Do you have like any favorite place to go? I mean, to live, I really like Bali, you know, one, because the weather is really great, people friendly, and the beach is right there. I love the beach. I grew up with the beach. So Bali is one of my favorite places in the world. You know, I also have a love for New York. That's where I spent most of my life. That's cool. That's cool. All right, man. Well, um, you know, you have really interesting journey in photography, and just share with us a little bit about who, what, what inspired you to start photography in the first place? To be honest with you, uh, my uncle was the one who really inspired me to pick up a camera. So in 1993, I used to pick up my uncle's camera, you know, whenever he was around, the camera was sitting. And I would, you know, just like snap shots around the house and then place the camera back. And then he would take the film to develop and come back and ask me, were you playing with my camera? I was like, no, 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 I wasn't playing with my, uh, your camera. So that was in 1993. And then in 1995, that's when I fell in love with photography. I came across the work of uh, Sebastião Salgado, the amazing Brazilian photographer. And that's when I knew I wanted to be a photographer, you know? And I was like, wow. And what about Sebastian Salgado that make you really like fall in love and, you know, pursue that passion? You know, it was just like, I remember looking at his work the very first time and it, it kind of, uh, I don't know, it was like almost I was living through his, you know, uh, eyes through his like photos, you know, I don't know, it was just the beauty of the black and white, the contrast and life you know the documentary photography and that's what i like so much and i was like wow this is what i want to do you know like in a way nowadays not comparing myself to sebastian salgad because he's a master he's a legend right myself i'm learning and every single day but his work definitely uh, defined me as a photographer Wow, that's incredible. I mean, I've seen Sebastian Salgado, you know, when I met you, I, I came across his work the very first time and I could definitely see, um, you know, how he influences you in photography. But, you know, from there, um, it didn't stop there, isn't it? You take on um, other challenges and other um, kind of journey in your in the road to get to where you are today, um, you know, including, you know, sh shooting for an artist in Canada, going to chase all this mountain gorilla. Just share with us a little bit about how, how you actually got into the industry, you know, that time when you 
assisted someone else and tried to absorb as many skills as possible to get to where you are today? Sure. I, you know, I like to say I lived many lives. In this life, it's kind of crazy where I am to, today and what I went through. You know, I never had imagined I would be here and had all the experiences. So I am also a capoeira teacher, you know, the Afro-Brazilian martial arts. I started around 1993 as well. So I've been training my whole life. I taught for 17 years in New York. In 1997, I was invited to go to New York uh, to perform capoeira and do some workshops. And then when I, I was done with the performance and workshops, I never went back to Brazil. I just stayed in New York. And then I was still very young. I was about 15 years old. You know, I had not even done finished uh, high school. So I pretty much finished high school in the U.S. I went to college in the U.S. And then at the time, you know, I bought my first ca camera in 1998. That's when I could afford a camera, right? I was like, oh, like, I'm going to buy my first camera. And I remember getting my first camera was pretty incredible, you know, the feeling of having my own camera. So when it came time to go to college, you know, photography was not something I saw myself, I don't want to say making a living, you know, it was kind of difficult at the time making a living out of photography, but my passion and love of photography never stopped at any point. So I ended up going to school for graphic design, web design, and then I kept, you know, doing like street photography, you know, photographing my friends, everything for fun. You know, I was pretty much when it came to photography, I was doing the things that truly I was inspired to photograph. So after graduating from college, I worked as a freelancer for about five to six years. And then I was tired of working for clients, you know, as a, as a designer, I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I thought about maybe I should go back to college, get a master's and, you know, do something different. But I couldn't come up with an idea of what I wanted to study in college. So I was like, oh, okay, what am I gonna do? And then I was like, you know what? I'm a photographer, you know what I mean? Like, this is what I like to do. Why not put my time into photography and create a business out of it now that I have way more knowledge? So what I did was I started reaching out to friends of mine who were photographers and said, I do wanna get into photography. You know, at the time I was looking into a portrait photography, mainly like in studio. And then, because um, I, I, I was already doing like portrait outside, you know, for friends, everything for fun at the time, right? But when I decided to become like, I'm going to say professional, that's when I went into a studio photography, reach out to a friend of mine. And, uh, you know, he started like sharing some knowledge with me. And eventually he invited me to work with him in a studio in New York. And the good thing is I thought I was open to work for free, but I was getting paid a good salary. I was like, oh, okay, not bad, you know, but I had the knowledge of design and I think that helped me, you know, make the transition from photography into, uh, I mean, from design to photography. And then also, uh, you know, it, around the same time, the good thing is I was teaching capoeira, which helped me pay the bills, you know, which was really, really good. So I kept working as an assistant at the time. And then during that time, I was able to set up my own studio in New York. So in, even though I was working with a friend of mine, but I had my own studio. And that's when I stopped bringing people in. And then all of a sudden I was shooting uh, fashion. I was doing portrait in my studio and I was doing pretty much everything, you know? And then there was a time where I kind of left the studio where I started and start, you know, and then I start kind of running my own studio. So that's how I came about, man. And then from there, many other opportunities came by. And, um, you know, that's that's really inspiring. Um, you know, like we've been hanging out together and stuff like that. And um, I know that story of when you first moved to um, to the U.S. and you started your own gym um, and, you know, you had you gone through that struggle. Do you want to just share a little bit about that? What what you had to go through to make that work? Um, I think that is really inspiring to see that. I know it's not really photography, but you know that shows um, who you are to to make things work. Oh yeah, actually, that's a you know a lesson that I can carry through you know my whole life. And whenever I want to get started in, in something, I will never give up. So the story is when I started my martial art business in New York. At the time, I was young, you know, pretty much like. I was learning, I was still learning. I wasn't the best teacher. And I remember 
started my business the first week, no one showed up. And I started thinking, man, no one's showing up. I have bills to pay. Second week, no one showed up. I was like, oh, you know, no one's showing up. And then as I was getting closer to the end of the month, you know, I was going to have bills to pay and no one was coming in. So I, you know, there was one moment which I wanted to kind of give up. And then I told myself, you're not giving up. You're going to push through, you know, you're going to be here and just pretend there are people here, you know, create, create in your mind what you want and what you, you know, what you want for yourself. So I just kept, you know, pretending. And when I say pretending, not like pretending, but like, you know, I was there, I was present every day. My energy was high, you know, I was really like, uh, you know, feeling great about being there and doing what I was doing. And uh, eventually, you know, the third week was not even the beginning of the week, was more like towards Thursday. One person showed up, came through the door, and I was like, oh, one person came through, you know, and I was like, oh, this is great. So, you know, I try, I still remember, you know, being so professional when you get your very first clients, you know, because one year I was new to the game and, you know, I got my first client and I was like, oh man, okay. I was all being professional, right? But I never give up the idea of what I wanted to do in New York, you know, I kept pushing through. At the beginning, a lot of the people who were in the game, you know, some of the teachers, they were not very supportive because one, I was, you know, young, you know, so they saw me as the guy with less experience. And, and, and two, you know, like they had their own circle, but I never, uh, one thing I've learned is never to judge people. People have their own opinions and you just have to do your best, be kind to everyone. So then eventually let's, let's fast forward um, eight, I don't know, seven, eight years later, I had 60 people, right? So with that, I, I was like, wow, I started thinking to myself, if I ever gave up to my dream, I would never had ex experience what I experienced having 60 people in a session, in a class, right? And then all my friends, like the guys who turned, you know, their back on me in the beginning, they all wanted to know what I was doing. And I remember telling them, I was like, listen, just, I'm just being myself. You know, I'm not here being judgmental to anyone. I'm just doing, I believe in what I do and I'm keep pushing through. So it's a lesson that I went through and I carry through everything I do in life, even my photography, you know, it, it has not been easy, you know, with photography, especially before NFTs, I, I had good jobs, you know, but I wasn't doing what I wanted to do. You know what I mean? So I believe that if you give up um, on your dreams, you know, they will never come through. So nothing in life comes easily. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's that's crazy. That's that's so inspiring. Um, I remember when I first heard that story and I was just like, man, I I could just imagine that, you know, having, you know, standing in, in, in your gym, kind of be there every day waiting for people to walk in, but no one ever walk in. That must be tough. Um, how old were you when you when you were doing that? I was at the time, man, let me calculate here. By the way, I'm not that old. <laughs> <laughs> so at the time I was about 22, uh, 22, yeah, about around 22, 23. I was pretty young, you know, I'm 41 now, man, you know, That's... And, uh, yeah. And then I taught for 17, uh, 17 years. I mean, I could still be teaching, you know, but I chose to kind of, uh, you know, I don't want to say close, kind of put a, an end to what I was doing there because I do have passions. I have passion for photography. I love traveling. And uh, so I kind of put a pause in that and, you know, as you age, you have to take it easy, you know, easy on the, on the, on your body, you know, so, but I'm still training every day. That is, that is crazy, man. Um, 20, 23 years old. I am sure I don't have the, the willpower, um, you know, to, to make that happen, but that's, that's just but crazy. You know, but you know, like, I don't think that was the hardest lesson, lesson I learned in life. I have been through a lot to like growing up in Brazil. You know, if you ever see, seen the movie City of God, man, that's a good ex example how I grew up in the hood with the kids running around, you know, fighting. Yeah, I mean, we didn't have guns, you know, or anything, but it was a pretty, you know, growing up in Brazil was fun. It was rough. 
you know, so life has been wonderful. I had, you know, I'm very um, grateful for all the experiences I had over the years. So I got thick skin, man. So if, if you were to think back and, um, you know, th think back to all your lifetime, what would be the one moment that, you know, it could be either the hardest or the, the, the biggest triumph or whatever it may be that, you know, you always hold on to, to get to where you want to be when things get hard. Man, I had so many moments and, uh, and actually before I answer that question as well, I never told you this, but uh, at one point in my life, I was trying to, uh, I was training to be a soccer player, by the way, you know, I was really in that professional league. Yeah. So but to answer your question, I think one of the moments that I will never forget was when I got on that plane to travel to New York. You know, I still have that image. And for me, that feeling was like new opportunities coming my way. You know, I was 15 years old, never had been on a plane before, you know, and in Brazil, life was good, but life was a struggle as well, you know. And I will never forget that moment of... Uh, been on a plane, looking through the window and the plane kind of running and not know what, what you expect. And another moment that I, you know, when I landed in New York at JFK, actually I did travel there with a group of 13, 15 uh, kids. You know, I was among some other like martial artist friends of mine. And landing in New York was March. I will never forget the day, March 17th. And it was like, you know, around springtime and it was still a bit cold. And I remember like never experienced anything cold before, you know, because where I come from, it's just like Bali. Maybe that's why I love Bali so much. And I will, those were moments that really marked my life. Simple moments, you know, but I knew I was stepping on new grounds, which were going to give me so many new opportunities. That's awesome, man. That is really awesome. And um, so... You know, you've, you've, you've done a lot of things and I'll go through a little bit more of that later, but um, mm -hmm. you are deep, deep diving into this um, world of NFT, um, you know, NFT world. Um, just let us know what, what excites you about the NFT and what, what makes you want to jump in, you know, head in first into the NFT world. To be, to be honest with you, when it came into NFTs, I thought I was going to be a millionaire overnight. You know, I was like, I'm going to sell, you know. But then very soon I realized that there's way more in the NFT community than just making sales. You know, I have met you. I have met some incredible people in the NFT space, which has been lovely. Uh, also getting to see work from people from all over the world has been wonderful because every day, I'm inspired by the work I see, you know, like even though I've been uh, creating for a while, but I'm not the kind of person that says I know everything. I don't need to see what everyone else is doing, you know, so that's what I love. The community It's something that really keeps uh, me like coming back, you know, but also the freedom, the freedom to create whatever I want. I don't have to report to any uh you know clients which i did for many years you know i don't have to do things you know like this like that and a lot of times when you work with people who don't have a vision you know artistic vision it's very difficult so that's you know two things the community and the freedom that's what i love the most about the uh, nft community that's awesome man that is awesome yeah i mean um i I think that the community really shock you when you get there. It's uh, it's hard when you see it from you know from the outside and um, just get into it. But the more you in in the community, the more you wanna just stick around and just hang out. And um, I I never had this problem before, but now I'm always having a dilemma of you know hanging out in Twitter or you know going out there in real life. Balance, <laughs> but, um, balance. That's the key. <laughs> yeah, it's it's always a difficult one, isn't it? Yeah, man, that's that's really cool. Um, thanks for sharing that. So, you met this um, artist in Canada who really um, kind of take you on a journey of a lifetime at that time, isn't it? And um, you know, you you ended up going on tour with her as well as um, you know going to other adventure with her do you want to just share how that come about and some of the cool adventures and some of the cool photos that you you kind of go through um get to get to take 
during that journey? Yeah, so everything started when I was still working in fashion, you know, photographing fashion. I had my own studio. I met some incredible people. I have photographed a lot of celebrities, but I do not call myself celebrities because also the thing about celebrities, you know, because I got to hang out with so many of them. They're just like people. They're just like us. You know what I mean? I think it's the world that puts a title and makes them kind of, you know, being like this different creature, you know, celebrities, they're just like people. So I got to work with a lot of them. So at the time I had this, uh, she was a friend of mine, actually, she was a student of mine at the time and Capoeira opened up so many doors. She was one of my students at the time and then, you know, very creative lady. And uh, she came through my studio and I remember the very first time she showed up there, she came with this huge suitcase and I was like, I didn't know her well, but she showed up, in, you know, with like a huge suitcase. I was like, is this girl moving in or something, you know? But then we had a great time like creating, you know, when you don't know someone that show up with a suitcase, but it was just her, you know, she was the most incredible like creative person, you know, she was just like ready to have fun and get creative, right? So then we we came, uh, we became very close, you know, constantly like uh, collaborating on projects. And then uh, I had my own studio, so it was really great to, you know, the freedom to, you know, create was really there, you know. So one day she reached out to me and said, hey, uh, I'm going to be releasing a song. I was like, sure. And she's like, can you do some headshots for me? I mean, some photos for me. I was like, I was like, my studio's kind of a bit of mess. Everything's all over the place. It was summertime in New York. The aircon wasn't wasn't uh on or anything she said doesn't really matter i just come through and take a few shots and that's it i was like okay you know friends when they you never say no to friends right not because you know friends are friends you know you always help them out whenever they need so like okay just come through i will take the photos and man seriously i have like furniture e everywhere so i remember even like photographed from the top of the the couch you know it was it was a mess but anyway we took the photos by the way she showed up with the makeup artist it was like very serious but at the same time it was a mess and then two weeks later you know she released her song and her music blew up her music blew up and she she told me she's like i was not you know planning for this music to be this big i was just hoping to put a music the video and music on you uh facebook for my friends to watch you know but it blew up so that led us to eventually you know when she started uh, touring, I remember the first tour was in Europe and uh, I went to Germany. I remember she, she said, why don't you just come on tour? I cannot pay you now because, you know, I'm just starting, but I can cover the expenses. I was like, okay, let's go. Let's go. So that led me to like tour with her all over like Europe. And then eventually she, she could pay me. We went to like, seriously, like New Zealand, Australia, Dubai, all over the U.S., South America, Canada. And with that, I also got to photograph some other like artists like uh, Duran Duran. You know, I was very close photographing them and then Deepless Critics, Betty Who, and the list goes on and on, which was pretty incredible. I went through all these like festivals. So for about three and a half years, I was working as a music photographer, which at the time also, there was a, a demand for video, right? So I kind of pretty much learned how to uh, take videos, you know, how to work with video as well. So that was really great. Yeah, so that's a little bit of my journey, uh, how I got to tour all over the place. And that and her also got me to photograph mountain gorillas in, uh, in, in Rwanda, Africa. That's that's incredible, and um, I know um, I want to get into uh, a little bit more depth in this story of Mountain Galeras mm -hmm. in Rwanda because it's just it's just um, fascinating. I think I've heard this what, three four times now, and it's uh, every time I heard this story, it's just always um, always incredible. And you, you you know, it's it's one of the rarest moment um, and rarest. Um, what you call it encounter that you could get um and it's just incredible how you're able to get there uh finally get to see them and capture all these shots uh so yeah maybe, yeah <laughs> sorry i was just lost my train of thought there because it was just like you know i was just so um 
taken away by the mountain gorillas and your experience in there. So how, how did, you know, what makes you guys say, hey, you know what, let's find mountain gorillas. And by the way, before you get into this, um, don't forget to let us know how, you know, the story on how, how hard it is to get the permit and how it's not even um, guaranteed because when I heard that, it just blew my mind. Yeah, so basically, you know, you cannot just travel to Rwanda and say, hey, I'm here to see mountain gorillas. It does not work like that. It's very much regulated. One is because they want to make sure that we're not passing, you know, humans are not passing diseases to the gorillas, you know, because we do share 98% of the same DNA with gorillas. So we had to be very careful. And not only that, not too long ago, they were endangered species, right? So that's why the government in Rwanda is very protective of them. So pretty much you had to wait in line, you know, to get a permit and to see them. The permit's not cheap. Uh, nowadays, I don't know, actually, when I went, it was about $1,500 for you to spend one hour with the gorillas. So <laughs> it's not cheap, but it, it's worth, the, you know, the trip, the money, right? And then when you go see the gorillas, for example, it's not you get to Rwanda, you get in a car, you drive, and then you stop and you see the gorillas. It's not like that. And by the way, mountain gorillas, you can only see them in, uh, in the wild. You do not, you cannot find them in the zoos because they don't survive in zoos, right? It's the name is stating right there, mountain gorillas. So pretty much is, uh, you know, when you get there, you drive, you go to a meeting point, the guide will tell you, you know, how to behave around the gorillas. And then you drive for about 40 minutes to the bottom of the mountain. And that means you could be tracking for about two hours, three hours through the jungles in the uh, Virunga Mountains. And sometimes it's going up, going down. I was scared. I won't lie to you. You know, there was a point I was like, what in the world am I doing here? You know? And I ended up going two times in 2016 to see mountain gorillas. But the funniest story, you know, I had to really step back is how I got to Rwanda, the whole idea of photographing mountain gorillas. Myself, I did not know anything about, about mountain gorillas. The artist that I was working with, she was the one who had been in love with mountain gorillas her like whole life. And one day she reaches out to me. I think she had called me. I was... Uh, she was in Los Angeles or something. She said, hey, you want to go to this meeting uh, for the mountain gorillas? I was like, meeting? I don't know. And I mean, thinking, right? I was like, I don't know anything about mountain gorillas. But, you know, we were very close, always working together. I was like, okay, let's go. So I went with her and another friend who also, uh, the two of them were so much in love with mountain gorillas. I was there just as the guy pretending to know something, right? So I remember sitting... Uh, sitting on, on this table with, you know, all the like scientists and experts and whatever, you know, about gorillas. And I was just like pretending to be a, you know, a very important person who knew something about mountain gorillas. But I enjoyed the meeting, met some great people. They started giving me their business card. And they say, if you ever come to Rwanda, reach out to me. I was like, okay, me thinking, I don't know when I'm going to Rwanda. But then two weeks later, I found myself in Rwanda, you know, and that's how the trip came about. That's that's incredible. That is incredible, and yeah. uh, it's you know it's crazy that um, it's not even guaranteed, isn't it? Because like it's it's um, it's it's fully organic. Like they don't set it up or anything. So you could pay all that money, go through all that hours to track, and not even see them. Is that right? That's right. You could pay all the money, and basically, because here's the thing: gorillas they do not stay in one place. They're constantly moving. Right. So it could be like I remember once I had to walk. I'm not even kidding for like three hours and I was very lucky to see that. Right. So let's say depending on the weather, if it's raining, you pay all that money. It could be tracking for hours and hours and you get there and the gorillas are pretty much hiding themselves. That's what you get for your money. You know what I mean? So it's one of those, you know, you're playing with your luck. But I was very lucky, you know, to get a. You know, to photograph the gorillas was pretty incredible. The other day I had someone ask me, I had never ever photographed uh, wildlife before. 
And then someone said, how you went about to create these images? Because there's so much like human-like you know, images. And I said, pretty much I used the same approach as photographing humans, right? I did not rush to photograph them. I try to observe, I try to have those eye contact. If you go through some of the photos, you will see they're really looking at, you know, at the camera. So I usually use the approach of waiting for the right moments and creating that connection across, but also respect my subject. That's awesome, man. Yeah, it's, uh, I think that is probably one of the, the best lessons that you could, you could give in terms of photographing anything that's alive. It's just that connection, right? So I'm glad that you brought it up. Um, and, you know, so when you, when you, when you go on this adventure, um, you know, on this trip um, to see the mountain gorillas, um, how, how long did it take you to find it? Like, did you, did you think that at, at any moment during the trip that you weren't going to get the shot or you weren't going to see it? Because you know, I'm, I'm guessing at that point in time, you care more about seeing it than getting the shot. Um, is that right? Just so the first time I went, I was very excited. I was like, oh, my God, this is so cool. You know, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. You know, I was like, everything, you know, when you get yourself into something new, I was like, yeah, this is so cool, the mountain. I'm going up walking, right? And then I walked for about maybe an hour and some and a half, and then I found the gorillas. I was able to create some images there. But then the second time, I knew what I was getting myself into. I was like, oh, man, you know, <clears throat> I hope I found the gorillas because also I knew that the chances of not finding them, right? And it's like, I hope I find my, the gorillas. And then I had to walk a bit longer. And then the, uh, I went again. And I went the first time in February for twice. I saw them twice. And then I went again in June. So in June, it was a whole different story. I, was, I knew more about what I was going to get myself into. And I always had this feeling, man, if I don't find the gorillas, I had, I spent just $1,500 and I walked forever. And by the end of the trip, you know, when you kind of go up the mountain and come down, you're dead, you know, like the next day you need to rest because it's a workout myself. I'm in good shape and going up the mountains with, you know, with gear, you know, it's not easy, man. That's all I have to say. That's cool. Yeah, that's cool. So do you have like a favorite moment that, you um that you get from this experience or from seeing the gorillas yeah actually i have many great moments but one of my favorite one i survived to tell the story so i have a photo which is the gorilla doing the chest beating you know the gorilla was just like lying down chilling and all of a sudden he got up and started doing the chest beat you know and basically it's is the gorilla saying I'm the boss, don't mess with my, you know, with my territory and you're welcome here. And I was able to capture that moment, right? So I was looking through my viewfinder. I was using a 70 to 200 lens and looking through the viewfinder, I thought the gorilla was gonna drop on top of me. I was like, shit. So I was able to snap one photo. I fell on my butt. I almost rolled down the hill. And I thought I was going to peel my pants. That was one of those moments that I was like, man, you know, like I never saw my heart coming through, you know, close to my mouth and back. But <laughs> seriously, man, it was, a, it was one of those moments that I was like, wow, you know, like I have been through a lot. But that was a moment where I said, man, I'm so fragile, you know, and the silverback has the power of like seven to eight men. You know, they are very strong. But here's the thing. You know, I went through all of that, and that image got selected for the uh, uh, Diane Foss Museum and Research Center in Rwanda by the scientists and the expert in gorillas. They chose that photo because, you know, they said, some of them said, I have, and they had been working with gorillas for 25 years, and they never had seen a photo like that, right? So, yeah, I'm, uh, that's one of my favorite photos. Uh, which is in the collection as well, but that photo won't be sold. Maybe in the very, very future, I will let that image go. That's uh, that's insane. I mean, you know that um, just how rare it is. I mean, even even um, 
even the the scientists, the you know, and the people who's been there uh, say that, that it's it's really rare, and you know, they they rarely see it. So it's it's incredible. But um, I saw this uh, this photo of your collection of this um, cute uh, like baby mountain gorillas. Mm -hmm. So, so was there like when you go out there? Um, was the gorillas have like you know the the little babies, and was were they protected of them? Is that more dangerous to approach them because of that as well? Yeah, so gorillas they have the babies, the very little ones, but also they have the infants, which they around like three years old, right? So the infants and the little ones, they're very curious, you know, one, they're young, everything around them is new. So the infants, for example, they're curious. A lot of times they come, you know, they want to come up to you. They want to touch you. They want to see what you have. But the guides, you know, can communicate with gorillas. There's such a thing as a gorilla language, right? So they make certain sounds. I mean, some of the guys have been working with gorillas their whole lives. So certain sounds where it tells them, go away, you know, everything's fine. I didn't learn the gorilla language, you know. So the little ones, they are just curious, the infants, they're curious as well. But uh, one thing I noticed was the, the baby baby ones, they, they usually they stick with the, uh, the mother, right? And the infants, they usually hang out with the father, with the silverback. And yeah, pretty much like all the infants, that's what I saw. The mother usually they are busy eating and taking care of the little ones. But here's one interesting thing about gorillas and babies, right? Gorillas, they have, uh, they can have twins. You know, they can have twins just like human. I have about two photos in the collection, which, you know, I have a gorilla mother holding the twins, which for me was mind blown. And that's what I was like, wow. I have never seen an animal that looks so much like us and then seeing them, uh, you know, having twins and it's really rare for them to have twins, you know, but I was lucky to capture the twins. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. I mean, uh, what are the chances, man? I mean, you, you get to see them, uh, you get to see the gorillas pounding their chest, um, having the, the infants and the babies, as well as their, you know, uh, being able to see twins amongst them. That's, that's just crazy. I mean, what are the odds? And, um, I know, yeah. it's, it's crazy. And here's the thing, right? So after took that chest beating photo, just to add one thing, was during my first trip, the uh, gorilla experts, they said, Tiba, I'm going to tell you something. You're never going to be able, you raise your bar way too high. You're never going to be able to capture photo better than this. And I was like, okay, you know, as a photographer, I always want to challenge myself. And I try to capture, I, I caught some good photos, but I wasn't able to top the chest beating photo after that. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, the experience of, you know, um, rolling down the hill and almost pee on your pants probably um, <laughs> make that stamp that in your mind as well on how good that moment is. I know. Uh, that's awesome, man. Um, thanks for sharing that. And um, yeah, it's it's great to be able to see this, um, um, you know, these moments and um, people are have the opportunity to collect them as an NFT, um, you know, in the blockchain. And that's that's just incredible because um, we all know that once it's in the blockchain, it's never gone away. So that's that's what's amazing about NFT. Um, so we'll, we'll um, circle back to, to photography and um, journey. Um, what are some of your uh, biggest struggles um, in in photography, and um, what what lesson do you uh, do you get out of it? Man, struggles. I have I have been a lot in the past. I feel nowadays everything's good, you know. But the struggles is uh, I mean, for the last year, two years, I have not been able to travel. Maybe I can say that's a bit of a struggle because I love doing documentary photography. Now that I cannot do where I am in Bali, but I love going to places and living with the people, you know, um, for example, I've been to places like Haiti and like, you know, living with the people, learning about their culture. So one of the struggles I have lately when it comes to photography, or maybe it's more about traveling, which is connected to photography, is getting to places. That's one of the struggles. 
but pretty much it's like uh, I feel like now there's no struggles for me because one I have this wonderful community you know which you know supports me every single day you know I like to say in the past if I would speak to friends of mine about photography they would look at my photos be like yeah that's cool and move on right nowadays I can go on Twitter and speak to people about photography or kind of ask them like you know for some feedback so I feel like, man, I there's no struggles as of now, to be honest with you. You know, I've been a lot of the through the struggles in the past. So now it's like, wow, this is an easy, smooth road. Yeah, um, that's cool, man. And I think you know, it's um, you know all that uh, that journey that get you to where you are today that really you know set you up for that. Uh, but you know, uh, uh, what is the the hardest challenge that you have in photography, I suppose, um, you know, because uh, with you know, it's it's always easy to see people um, of who you of who you are and think about you know that that we are an overnight success. But actually, behind all that, we we put a lot of work in 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 our journey, right, to get to where we are today. So, what are some of your either proudest moment or you know the biggest challenge in your journey? Um, Hmm. I mean, the biggest challenge I think uh, had been for me to believe in myself, but as a martial artist, you know, I have learned, you know, to believe in myself. Like I said, you know, I, I don't like to say that I'm better than anyone else. I'm doing my thing. I believe in myself. You know, I cannot ever let the ball drop. You know, I have to keep doing what I'm doing. And I think that's one of the biggest lessons I have learned over the years, you know, keep doing, I always, you know, I love encouraging people as well. So keep doing what you do and eventually all the stars will align themselves. You know, if you're too focused on what other people are doing, you're kind of wasting your time. You're not creating what you want for yourself. You know what I mean? And the thing about art, art is uh, so like subjective, right? Everyone has their own opinion. So I love, you know, I have no problems like taking feedback, you know, from people when I ask them, you know, but I don't like people when they jump in and say, hey, they give me an opinion about my work. I don't say anything, you know, because I rather just like, okay, you know, over the years I have learned in martial arts and in photography, you know, you give your opinion when people ask you for opinion, you know what I mean? But not getting too deep into that. So I'm the kind of person that I keep doing my thing, you know, like I don't create much expectations. That's one thing I have learned. I try to live in the, in the present as much as I can, you know, in you know, with my life, when it comes to photography, when it comes to martial art, because trying to be too much in the future, too much in the past is not good for us. So with the NFT uh, community now, I mean, one of the things, one of the struggles I have there is, I don't want to say it's a struggle, but it's a lot, it requires a lot of work. It's marketing, right? You had to constantly be marketing your work. You constantly had to think uh, not because we, everyone's an artist. So everyone's like, I just want to create art. I want to have fun, right? Yes, yeah, true. But now with NFTs, we had to think more of like, uh, have more of a mindset of a business person. Right. Meaning you have to know how to navigate so you can create, develop your brand. So I'm learning. I had my struggles there, you know, but now I feel like I'm everything I'm doing. I'm loving. I enjoy very much. And again, I had my struggles in the past. It was not easy. I can tell you this, you know, maybe I can say I have no struggles now is because I've been through a lot, you know, in photography, in life, in martial arts. Yeah, that's cool. And uh, how does uh, martial arts arts um, help you with this mindset? Because I know self doubts and uh, imposter syndrome is probably one of the biggest thing, not only in in everyone's kind of mind, but also especially in in artists, right? Um, how how does um, you know your your discipline in martial arts um, help that? Like, is there any um, principles or um, practices that um, can help you know the listeners um, to implement in their daily life so that they can be stronger in mind as well yeah actually there's so much that we can do you know to improve our game in the photography world for example i believe that physical activity is so important for us you know even though 
of course, we had to be fit to go around and take photos. That's for sure. Also, uh, the mental. You, you got to take care of your, of your mind, of your mental, you know, because if you're not in a good place in your mind, you're not going to be good anywhere. Also, spiritually, you know, so it's a combination of, like, making sure that you are exercising. And when it comes to the uh, mental, maybe uh, do some meditation or even look for a therapist. You know, a lot of times... I do see a therapist, not because I have issues, you know, I'm like going through a hard time. I think, you know, I believe in getting to, uh, you know, fixing, not fixing, but kind of having, uh, working on things before I find myself in a dark place. You know what I mean? So like doing a mental work, you know, maybe with a therapist, meditation, or even going for a walk, whatever you call meditation. I don't like to say meditation is just sitting down, you know, and praying or whatever. Meditation can be anything, you know, go out uh, and explore nature, you know, get some fresh air uh, spiritually as well, you know, make sure that your energy is balanced. I think that's so important, you know. So those are things that I keep my, I do to make sure that I'm not, you know, I'm staying in balance. And also, uh, you know, when it comes to creating, create, taking photos and creating balance, I think it's so important not to just focus on taking photos, make sure that you're also focusing your energy on something different because everything's energy. And if your energy is only concentrating in one area, you know, that's not balanced. You want to be balance your energy. That's awesome, man. That's that's a really good advice. And uh, I love how you say that, you know, when you meditate, you don't have to just sit because um, meditate is basically, I think the, the actual meaning of meditation is just to focus on on, on one thing, right? So um, sometimes I find, you know, photography uh, have that meditating effect. So um, yeah, thanks for sharing that, man. That's definitely something that a lot of the listener can, can um, you know, take advice on. Um, all right. Well, we come to the hour mark now here, um, Tiba, and I know you're a busy man, so um, I don't want to keep you too much here. Um, and I always ask this to everyone in um, in the podcast. Um, if there is one advice that you could, um, I know that you just give a whole, uh, you know, bowl of advice, but mm -hmm. if there is this one advice that you could give to the listener um, that either impact you the most, that change your life, whatever it may be, what would that be? Well, one advice, actually, I have a, a lot of advice for everyone. <laughs> so one thing I have to say is uh, I, I tell people, you know, if you have a vision, you can, you can definitely accomplish, you know, if you have a dream, go for it. You know what I mean? Don't, um, you know, it's not going to be easy getting to your goals. Enjoy the journey, the process, you know, be kind to yourself and, uh, and things will happen. You know what I mean? Don't create much expectations. Like as a photographer, go out there, take photos for yourself. You know, don't expect people to like them. Don't expect people to buy them, you know, because, you're creating expectations and that's when your art gets sacrificed and you do not want that, you know? And the most important, you know, out of photography, just like enjoy life because a lot of times we live life, you know, with the uh, attitude that we're gonna be here forever and that's not true, right? Enjoy the moments, the little things, friends, family, uh, be kind to yourself and uh, get a good night of sleep and drink lots of water. Thanks, Eva. It's funny when you say that, get a night of sleep. I know how much of an advocate um, you are of getting rest. So that's, that's hilarious. But um, I, I, you know, I totally agree with you. You know, death is something that we often take it for granted. And when we are 25, 30, or even 40, we think that we're, um, you know, we're immortal, but we're not. It, it could end in, in a snap, right? Um, so yeah. thanks a lot for that advice, Tibat. Thank you very much for being here. Um, but let us know where can people learn more about you and you know connect with you and find your work. Sure. So you can go to my website, website which is Tibalism. Imagine tribalism without the art.com. Tibalism. Also on Twitter, Tibalism, you know, at Tibalism. Uh, I also have Instagram, which is uh, Tibalism. 
uh, ETH, you know, you can go there. But mainly these days, you can find me on Twitter and uh, I'm always there. Hit me up, you know, send me a DM. I always get back to people. And I believe, you know, that I'm there to support everyone. So yeah, website or Twitter. Fantastic, Tiba. Um, and yeah, I could I could attest to that. Um, you know, you you are there all the time, and <laughs> you do reply to people very well. So uh, you know, if if you do want to get to know Tiba more or just connect with him, um, he run Twitter Spaces, which is if you if those of you who is not um, familiar with it, is basically a space where you can hang out together in voices, so you could actually hear each other. Uh, but yeah, he, um, you know, you you have these spaces that are really safe um, and um, for for people to jump in. Um, I know I struggle a lot with speaking in spaces, and your spaces ha have have helped me a lot on on getting rid of the anxiety. So um, for those of you who who want to connect with him, um, you know, Twitter is um, uh, is a great way to connect with him. But um, I will put all your details on how to connect with um, with you on the on the description, as well as the link to your collection uh, on OpenSea, so that you know people can um, find you. Um, is there any last thing that you want to share with us, or that you want to um, say before we wrap this up, Tiba? Yeah, actually, you know, I do want to thank you for having me here. It was really great chatting with you. It's always fun, you know. Uh, chatting with you on Twitter spaces in person. It's always a great, uh, pleasant experience. So thank you so much. And I can't wait, you know, for us to kind of grow in this journey called NFT. Thank you. Let's go. Yes. Uh, thank you. Uh, you know, thank you for being here, Tiba. I know you are one hell of a person. You know, not only I have not only met you on Twitter in the social world, but also in real life. And you are just an amazing human being. So I'm very grateful to have met you. And that's the reason why I want you here, because I know your story is full of inspiration, you know, that that people listening to this will get inspired. So thank you for being here. Thank you, man. I've... Yeah. All right. Well, um, Wicked Hunters, thank you very much for listening in and tuning in. And hopefully you find a lot of gem and a lot of wisdom as well as inspiration and motivation to move forward regardless you know where you are right now like what tiba said um and you know um i highly encourage you to hit him up follow him up and check his art and check himself as a person he's such a great person but um thank you very much for hanging out and yeah next week we have someone very special um that is on the mix and you will find out who they are um, but enjoy the rest of your day and have a good week ahead. Catch you later, Wicked Hunters.